It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday july 28th 2016 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is out of town tonight preaching in indiana and in this spot, uh, Monty Overton is back. Monty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Good to be back with you. It's not been that long ago since you and I shared this stage together. It's not often enough. Not not often <laughs> enough. Well, thank you for being here. Kyle is behind the board. Uh, Kyle, thank you for being here tonight. It's always good to be here. And uh, yeah. thank you for joining us. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. You can sign in the chat room if you're listening to us live and watching our video feed tonight. Sign in at the bottom of that and... Uh, Send in your comments in the chat room. You'll want to comment, I think, tonight on the program. Or you can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or give us a call at 877-381-4567. We want to talk tonight about whatever happened to absolutes. It seems, Monty, that there are no absolute standards of morality in the world that we live in today. It seems like those... um, Standards of morality are being attacked very viciously. You know, people in the world today, when you try to talk to them about issues of morality, uh, well, that's fine. that's fine for you, but it, that's, that's not what works for me. And so they've abandoned this idea that there's a standard that we should go by, and they just want to do whatever they like or whatever makes them feel best or something like that. So, But when you get down to it, as we talk about absolute truth, if we don't have absolute truth, to go by, then we don't have any truth at all. It is uh, amazing uh, how this idea that there are absolutes is under attack, constantly under attack. And I've got some statistics tonight that will show you actually that it may be worse than we think. Those who call themselves Christians have joined in the attack, and uh, many, many, many Christians are now saying that there are no absolute universal standards of morality. It's shocking. It's sad. We want to talk about that tonight, and most importantly, we want to compare it with what the Scriptures teach about an absolute standard. Is there an absolute standard that we should be going by? What does the Bible teach about that? 877-381-4567 is the number to call. We'd love your comments on the phone tonight, or send them in the chat room. What about this idea of absolute standards of morality? The Barna Group released a study in May of this year, 2016, And they concluded as a result of their study, their survey, that 57% of adults in America conclude that knowing what is right or wrong is a matter of personal experience. Whatever seems right to you. 57, a majority of people in America. Over half the people that you will see in your daily walks of life believe, well, determining what's right or wrong is just a matter of personal experience. But see, that can't be true because... Your experiences in life are different than mine. Yep. So therefore, to some extent or another, your perceptions and your perspective on life and things about life are different than mine because of your different experiences. 
And so that doesn't make it right or wrong just because that's the way you or I look at it. We're going to look at some things differently because of our life experiences, but that doesn't affect what's the truth or, or, or what the standard is. That's just it's determined the way we look at it maybe, but that it's not affecting the standard. All right. Well, that's, that's true. Uh, you know, do you know what a millennial is, Kyle? Uh, I, I would probably count as a millennial. A millennial, yeah, that's what you're talking about, yeah. And uh, born born between 1984 <clears throat> and 2002. Yep. All right, you're a millennial. I was 85. Yes, I was. Born oh, you're just barely under the wire. Yep. But uh, millennials, those uh, that would be young adults at this point, three quarters of them agree or somewhat agree with the statement, "Whatever is right for your life or works best for you is the only truth you can know." Three quarters, three out of four of that age group between born between 1984 and 2002, Monty, say there's really no way for you to be able to know what's right or wrong. It's just whatever works right for you. I mean, that's, the, that's, the, that's the age group that will be leading our society before long. But, but that's not, not logical because they sometimes things that I know that are true are not in my best interest. Uh, I'm a machinist at work. And we have to make parts to a blueprint, and they have to make certain measurements and certain standards to be an acceptable part. Well, sometimes the parts that I make don't meet that standard that this blueprint gives, that the, it don't, they don't fall inside the tolerances given in that blueprint. And it's not in my best interest for that part not to be inside those tolerances. But that doesn't change the truth that I just made a piece of junk. Well, it does. It, you, you, there are standards. There have to be standards. We recognize that mm-hmm. in most aspects of our life. Why do we uh, realize them in moral issues? The shocking thing is, and I, I don't. I, you, this is just boggles the mind. Christians, those who claim to be Christian, only fifty nine percent disagree with the idea that the only truth you can know is whatever right is right in your own in, for your life. That means forty one percent. Yes, it is true that the only truth one can know is whatever is right for one's own life. I thought the whole idea of being a Christian was you said, I don't know what's best for my life. I got to, I got some, I've got to have someone else tell me what to do. I've got to have God telling me what to do. I've got to submit to Christ. Yet 41% of those so-called Christians are saying, yeah, whatever works for you, that's what's true. You know, when we get down to, in one way, the absolute truth would be like definitions of words and whatnot. And if we look at the word Christian, the definition of that is we see that in, in the book of Acts, it says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is a disciple of Christ. So we look up what is the meaning of the word disciple? It's a person that patterns theirself after the teachings of a certain teacher and accepts them as their standard for their belief system. So realistically, if a person is calling themselves a Christian, but they're not accepting the Bible and Jesus' teachings as an absolute standard, then they're just calling themselves a Christian. That's not what they really are. All right. It, it, it is true. Yeah. By definition. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's amazing that uh, the religious groups have allowed themselves to stray so far from the truth. I guess it's all this entertainment we've been seeing, you know, the, the light shows, the fog machines, and and the, the rock bands that are just a matter of entertaining people instead of teaching them the truth of mm-hmm. God's word, uh, there's a, been a, a great failure on the part of re- many religious groups, it seems. Here's another question. 
through the question, the Bible provides us with moral truths which are the same for all people in all situations without exception. Only 27% of the Christians who were asked that agreed with it. 27%. You know, if we don't have, if we can't accept that the Bible is the truth that gives us that guidance, all people in all situations, then we really don't have anything to go by. Yeah. Period. You know, and if we're going to say, well, whatever works best for me is that's that's the truth for me. Well, maybe what works best for me is to decide to be a serial killer. Okay. You know, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Twenty seven percent agree somewhat with that. Yeah. Only fifty six percent agree strongly. So just barely over half are convinced. Mm hmm. As those practicing Christians that the Bible is the absolute standard. You know, talking about being a machinist. The ultimate standard for measurements, as I understand it, in the machinist trade, if you're measuring whatever, the standard is the orange-red radiations of the element Krypton-86. Because those radiations, most elements, the radiation, the wavelength of those radiations change with temperature or heat or cold or in a vacuum or different things. You know, light moves at a different rate through water as it does yeah. air and, and through a vacuum. And so, but these radiations don't. They're the same all the time. I'll so take that's your why word they're on that. the well, I read it in a book. Oh, you read it. Okay. I didn't come up with that. I read okay. it in a book. <laughs> okay. But there is a standard of measurement. And a, and a centimeter is a certain number of those wavelengths. I don't remember what it is. But I, I know that that's how they get a standard for measurement. They've got something. Because if you just said, well, this piece of steel is the standard for measurement, well, I can hold a piece of steel in my hand and warm it up and it grows and it ain't the same as it was. Or I can freeze it in the freezer and it shrinks and it's not the same. So you've got to have something that doesn't change. And so we have, as the Bible, a standard of measurement for our spiritual life, for our physical life, because it doesn't change. Yes. And we would expect these exacting standards and tolerances. We would expect that in things like the way that our automobiles are built, mm -hmm. uh, the way that the surgeon goes in and. Uh, does his work in, when we're having a surgery. And when it comes to religious matters, simply not the case. Question, moral truth, is it absolute or relative? Christians, practicing Christians, only 59% said that moral truths are absolute. 28% said they're relative. And here's what's even more boggling. 14% said they never thought about it. <laughs> How in the world can you claim to be a Christian and say, well, I've never thought about that? They're too busy watching the rock bands. They're, Unbelievable. They're too busy going to the church picnics. To think Unbelievable. About that kind of but see, that's a, 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 it shows the failing of modern religion and the denominational world. They're not concerned about teaching you the truth on the matter. They're not concerned about teaching you what the Bible says on anything. They're just concerned about making you feel good, so you'll put your money in the collection plate and you'll be back next week to do it again. All right. Here, the, the, how do you um, agree, do you agree or somewhat agree with this statement? People should not criticize someone else's life choices. 89% of Americans said you should not criticize someone's life choices. See, those people are inconsistent. Because there's going to be choices that some people make that they're going to disagree with. Like I said, if I decide to be a serial killer, they're going to say, oh, you can't do that. That's wrong. Being a serial killer is wrong. You shouldn't kill people. Well, why not? That's a life choice. You're, you're criticizing my life choice. Okay. I no. mean, that's an extreme example. But somebody, everybody draws the line somewhere that they're going to be critical of somebody's choice. Our society has been so effective at promoting this. 89% of the Americans say that you should not criticize someone else's life choice. 
76% of practicing Christians strongly agree or somewhat agree that you should not criticize someone else's life choice. Unbelievable. To be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things that you desire most. 86% of Americans say that. Just do what you want to do. 72% of practicing Christians say the same thing. Do whatever you want to do. Pursue the things that you desire the most. For the most part, uh, Christians, it will, the denominational world, they'll blur that. Uh, the definition is blurred anyway. So they're, they can't, uh, Pentecostal can't look at a Baptist and criticize them because they're part of the universal church. So it just, it's hard for them to criticize one another or criticize the world for that matter because they can't even find harmony among themselves, among Christianity. So that's just, so that's, they're failing there too. So Unbelievable. The highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible. Well, I can see that in the hedonistic society we live in. 84% of Americans say mm-hmm. that. You might think it'd be higher than that. But among practicing Christians, 67% say that's your highest goal in life, just enjoy it as much as possible. Well, that's what we're taught from the time, from the time we're born. I mean, if you watch TV, I don't have outside TV anymore. But back when I had it, you see all these commercials advertising all these things. One of them I remember is some brand of beer. I don't remember what it was. But it says you've got to live life with gusto. You only go around once, so go with gusto. And we're taught if, if, if all we ever did was just watch TV commercials, that's what we're taught from the moment we come into the world, that we've got to go and we've got to enjoy ourselves and do it to the max. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's just rubbing off. It's rubbing yep. off on our society. It's rubbing off on those who claim to be Christians. To the statement, people can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. In other words, you do what you want to do as long as it doesn't affect me. That's okay. 79% of Americans said that. 61% of practicing Christians. And then this one, really, uh, I mean, we're talking about stuff here that's just mind-boggling tonight. To the statement, any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. 69% of Americans say that that's a true statement. They agree with it. Any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. Any guesses how many, what percentage of Christians would say that? Too many. 40%. Would agree or somewhat agree with that. Forty percent. So doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, there are no standards. You do what makes you happy. It doesn't matter. It do, there are no absolutes. It's unbelievable. I was talking to a religious person about the issue of homosexuality one time, and it's someone that I grew up with, and I thought they would have had the same understanding that I did. And they said, "Well, I'm going to have to go back and study about that some more. I'm not sure about that." And that was one of these cases that I was just. Y'all, I'm sure, sort of dropped down to the floor, and I didn't know what to say beyond that. I thought, you've read it in the Bible. I know you have. You've heard it preached and taught. What is there to go restudy on this? The word has not changed. Yeah, the devil's been very, very effective at just planting those seeds of doubt mm-hmm. and just trying to convince us there are there are no absolute standards or just causing us to have some doubt that there might be an absolute standard. And if he does that, then he's successful. If we don't keep our hearts and our minds where they need to be. We're going to take a break. When we get back. We've got more shocking uh, statistics on just how bad it is in our society. Mike uh, in Indiana sends in an email tonight. He says, to show the fallacy of the argument that there are not any absolute truths, he lists a conversation between two people. Number, man number one says, there are no absolute truths. Man number two says, are you sure? 
Man number one says, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it is an irony that those who claim there is no absolute truth are so adamant about it. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Often when in discussions about religious subjects, someone will respond to an argument by saying, that's just your opinion. This typically indicates that the respondent does not have a good answer for the case that has just been presented, and they're trying to dismiss the force of the reasoning by simply labeling it as an opinion. Those who make this dismissive statement need to understand that it is their burden to prove that the matter under consideration is mere opinion. If there's no factual or real basis for the argument that has been made, then let them show this. But if they cannot, then the facts and the evidence must be accepted and acted upon. Unfortunately, this seldom happens. On the other hand, if a thing can be proven to be only human opinion, there remain several options. First, if you detect that someone is trying to bind their opinions on others or trying to equate their personal opinions with the actual truth of God's word, then this must be immediately and forcefully opposed. When some were trying to force their view on circumcision, Paul said, quote, We gave place by subjection, no not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Galatians 2 verse 5. We should do the same. Secondly, everyone who holds an opinion has a reason for doing so. If, as they explain their position, you become convinced that it's reasonable, even potentially helpful, you might decide to become of that same opinion. As long as no one elevates this to a matter of necessary doctrine, such opinions can and sometimes do serve a useful purpose. Finally, even if you are not persuaded of the other person's opinion, you can agree to dwell together peaceably if both you and he can agree that this properly belongs in the area of personal conviction. If no one is guilty of despising his brother, Romans 14, verse 3, then both parties can continue to share the positive benefits of fellowship. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about moral relativism and uh, how far gone our society is and sadly how far many Christians, professing Christians, have gone in saying there are no absolutes. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. Questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts. In the chat room tonight, some comments are coming in. I have a comment from uh, Philip. He says, uh, Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Today, too many places are not being taught that God's word is our standard for truth. John 17, 17, Psalm 8, 118, verse 160, and hence gives us the standard for right and wrong, 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. To that, guest 974, or 97, 14 says, there is a pattern. Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not stray from it. Timothy adds in the chat room, uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. So I find it, it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members altogether. Uh, another law is waging a war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, 
but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And Philip adds, John 4, verses 34 and 35, my food is to do the will of my Father, meaning Jesus' substance in life was not physical, but the will of his Father. Jesus, you know, Christians should claim that they want to follow their master, Jesus. Jesus said his will wasn't to make himself happy, do whatever fulfilled him. As, uh, what was that, uh, over half of Christians said that? Mm-hmm. Or professing Christians? Obviously they're not. That's what they claim. And then he also references Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Certainly we don't see that in our society today. Sadly, we don't see it among Christians. How bad is it in America? Well, the Pew Research Center in 2014 compared American morality with global morality. Uh, those who... Um, in 40 other countries globally compared to America. America only led the way in being right on moral issues in one category, that is extramarital affairs. 84% said it was unacceptable compared to 78% in other countries. So uh, there, that was that was one bright spot, I guess, if you would say, out of the whole thing. On the, on the subject of abortion, the world... say abortion is unacceptable. In America, only 49%. Only 49% say it's unacceptable. Homosexuality, 59% of the world's population says it's unacceptable. In America, only 37% say it's unacceptable. How about the devil's done a good job of brainwashing us? Well, we think America, you know, is is the moral high ground. It certainly isn't. It's not. What about premarital sex? Premarital sex, 46% of the world's population says that's not acceptable. In America, only 30% say it's unacceptable. A, a, a vast difference there. The, uh, we are, we are, we're very low on the, on the scale here. Uh, what, about, um, what about gambling? 62% of the world's population say it's unacceptable. 62%. In America, 24%. A third of the people in America, in, of the world's population, a third as much. 24% versus 62. What about alcohol use? The world, 42%. 42% of the world's population says that alcohol use is unacceptable. In America, only 16%. Sadly, many of Folks who would claim to be Christians today say that that's about right. That it's it's acceptable. Whereas the world, 42% say that it's unacceptable. Perhaps, perhaps the world has influenced Christians more than we'd like to admit, especially in the area of alcohol. You know, I was at a restaurant not long back, and there was a person there that I'm assuming by his dress, he had one of those collars with the little white thing on front, that he was some kind of a, a minister of some denomination of sorts. And he was sitting there at this restaurant and had his alcoholic beverage going. I don't know enough about him to know what kind it was, but it was obvious what he was drinking was some type of mixed drink. And I'm thinking, and you're supposed to be a preacher of yep. some sort. Yep, unbelievable. Divorce. Divorce, 24% of the world's population says is unacceptable. In America, that number is lower, 22%. It's just amazing how low and how far we have gone from the absolute standards of God's work.
Now, we should not be surprised. It should not uh, shock us. It's been going on for a long time. Remember uh, Jesus, when he was before Pilate, Pilate answered to him in John eighteen thirty eight. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? So Pilate was somewhat convinced of this idea that there's no way to know. There's no absolute. Mm-hmm. Pilate was sort of like many are today. Sadly, many Christians would uh, agree with Pilate today, or many people who claim to be Christians would agree with Pilate today. What is truth? Yeah, that is a sad situation because quite often when you try to talk to somebody about some sin in their life, well, they'll get mad and they'll leave the church and they'll go to another church down the road. It may have the same name over the door, but those people don't adhere to the same standards as we do. And if they'll just shop around, they can find one that whatever sin they want to engage in can be accepted yeah. or at least just not condemned. You know, people may not think that's a great thing, but they won't say nothing about it. Or a lot of people will just oh, it's such a great thing. Think about marriage and divorce and remarriage, unscriptural marriages. Uh, quite often somebody can get divorced for a wrong reason or even be put away for adultery. Well, then they go get remarried and other family members and people in the church where they've chosen to go, they'll accept this. Oh, it's just such a wonderful joining of two wonderful families, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it's a sin. It's wrong. They shouldn't be doing it. All right. Earlier today, we sent out questions for your consideration. What's causing the shift away from the idea of absolute truth that we're seeing? What are the motivations for believing that truth is relative? Number two, in what areas of our society is the shift away from absolute truths most evident? Number three, have you observed this type of thinking among Christians? And if so, how? Number four, what does the Bible say about truth being absolute and universal? And number five, this is probably the most important in our discussion tonight. How can we avoid being influenced by a society that says there are no absolutes? Clearly, it's happening by the statistics we looked at that society is influencing people and those who claim to be Christians that there is no absolute. Those numbers are increasing. Lots of folks who claim to be Christians are being influenced by society and concluding that there are no absolutes. How can we avoid being one of those who uh, begin to have their focus shift shifted away from the truths of God's word. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia tonight sends in his response. He says the false philosophies of agnosticism, relativism, and postmodernism have invaded and literally taken over many centers of higher education. While secular education is within itself good and can be used as a tool in the study of the scriptures, it is sad to see how many individuals today view secular education as an end rather than a means to an end. Those who view such to be an end within itself have permitted themselves to be misled in thinking that secular education is the final authority of, for life rather than the word of God. Our society has uh, idolized education, Monty, uh, to the point now that they are taking anything that the educators feed them without considering and comparing it to the word of God, and they have been led away from the truths of God's word by uh, the secular educators you know I, we see example in the old in the new testament when paul was on trial and i think it was king agrippa told him much learning it made him mad he was saying you know you've, you've filled your head with too much stuff it's made you crazy and we don't accept or don't realize that sometimes i believe our educators much learning has made them crazy too <laughs> by the things that they'll they'll go along with it appears it appears jim in kansas city uh, says he's been dealing with this issue himself And he appreciates the discussion tonight. Jim, thank you for sending in your email. He says, what is causing uh, the shift? He says, uh, those who have had contact with 
that he's had contact with have two primary motivations. Number one, they accept a certain establishment idea and refuse to depart the popular path. One example would be challenging the evolutionary theory. So Mm -hmm. sort of just going along with the flow. That's what people in our society today are saying, that there are no absolutes, and people aren't willing to challenge that idea. Number two, Jim says, an absolute truth forces one to change or adjust to it rather than molding a theory to a life that they have already accepted. I think that is uh, a an excellent answer, Jim, that if I accept that there is a rigid, absolute standard, then that means that I have to align with that standard. But if I can say that this thing is somewhat fluid, somewhat ambiguous, make it up as you go, then I don't have to change. I'll just make the truth conform to me rather than me conform to the truth. You know, they got the attitude that, well, I, I know the Bible was the truth back when it was written, but, you know, that's an outdated book. It, the newest parts of it's at least 2,000 years old, basically. And, and think times have changed, and, and we're a more evolved society now than they were back then. And so with that the, what was right for them is not right for us now. We've got to, it's got to grow. It's got to be flexible. Well, that's not the way it works. If it's an absolute truth, then it's an absolute truth, and there's no changing it. Yes, but people begin to move away from the truth when it means that they've got to change, and maybe it's just a little bit. I'll do everything the Bible says except for this little bit. It's a little bit too hard for me to do. Once you give that little bit, then you've given up all your ground that you have to stand on. Then the next time... The, ne- the next thing we'll have, you'll give on that. You'll give on that. And and then I can't insist that you conform with God's word when I'm not conforming to God's word. And so what you're doing is different than me. That's wrong. Well, I'll overlook that. And now we've... And we've heard people make that excuse that, well, yep. uh, we was talking... One of the virtual Bible studies I was listening to recently, that was the excuse that was given on the idea of homosexuality. Well, you gave in on this abortion. I mean, on this, uh, this uh, adultery. Marriage, the adultery issue. And so if we've given on that, we might, we've got to give in on this too. Well, the, the idea should be we gave in on that. Well, then we need to fix that and ungive in and, and get our life back right other than saying, well, we're doing this wrong, so we'll do this other one too. All right. Chris in Atlanta says, uh, it seems that society has become averse to the idea of denying oneself, sacrificing, or doing without. We have a mistaken idea that God wants us to be happy all the time and we'll understand if we don't follow his commands to the letter. With this attitude, we don't like to be told no and refuse to believe that sometimes no means no. And so, again, that's Chris's uh, comment, and it it parallels what Jim has said, that we don't like the idea of there being an absolute because I just don't want to do it. I don't want to. It would mean self-denial, sacrifice, uh, doing without, and uh, maybe I wouldn't be as happy as I thought it would be, so I'm just going to ignore it. You know, I was talking with a fellow one time, and he was talking about the the woman he had spent the weekend with and the fornication that they'd engaged in. And I said, well, you say you're a Bible believer, and the Bible condemns that kind of thing. He said, well, God understands I'm a man, and I've got to have it. You know, so it, it didn't matter what God said. Is He basically wanted this premarital sex or sex outside of marriage. I don't think he had any intentions of marrying this person. But because that's what made him feel good and what he needed, he said, God would understand. Well, God said, don't do it. And, God, and he was really clear about it. And God will understand, and he'll understand why you did it, and he'll condemn you for doing yeah. it. Uh, there's no denying that. Uh, that uh, We can't assume that God's going to give us a pass. In the chat room, quickly before our bottom of the hour break, I guess 70, 
9714 says, our people perish for lack of knowledge. Study to show yourself approved and test all things. Examine the things that are taught. Thank you, 9714. And Timothy says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversary. Thank you for that, Timothy. You know, uh, we'll get into this uh, discussion here on the other side of the break, but I see an absolute there. If we go on sending after receiving what? An idea that of what I think is right or wrong or some kind of vague? No, it's the knowledge of the truth. It's absolute. And if we don't, uh, if we don't conform to that, then we can await the fury of fire that will consume the adversary. There's no other way around it. Uh, there's an absolute, and we need to conform to it. And that verse is implying there that when we don't conform ourselves to the truth, we are the adversary. Yeah. I mean, we're either for God or we're against God. There's no in-between on that. We're not mostly for God and just a little bit against him. If we're against him at all, then we're against him. That puts us in the adversary seat, and that puts us in the consumed and fire seat. 877-381-4567 is the number to call. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. We'll look forward to your comments after the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Here's some quotes worth pondering. How do you break a bad habit? The same way you developed it. One incident at a time, five minutes at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. Those who do not obey the gospel are walking over the pit of hell on a rotten bridge. Man, wish I'd said that. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can find out more information about us. You can find uh, links to the audio and video of our recent community Bible study there on the subject of um, the Christian and his vote. Check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can also contact us at any time with your questions, comments, or discussion uh, subjects for the program, ideas for topics, questions at collegeview.com. You can also use that email address to request your free bumper sticker. Still a few of those around. If you'd like to help us get the word out about the program, questions at collegeview.com. Thevirtualbiblestudy.com are the ways you find out more about us and contact us. We're talking about absolute truth on the program tonight. Does it exist? The scriptures say absolutely it does. Our society overwhelmingly and increasingly is saying that it does not. We're comparing what the society is saying with what the scriptures say, and we want your comments on that tonight. Well, uh, certainly our society does not like the idea of absolutes. What areas are we seeing that shift? Lots of folks are saying uh, that we're seeing it. Where are we seeing it? Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says the shift away from the reality of absolute truth is demonstrated in various areas. Basic ethics and biblical morality in general, with a rejection of even the most basic concepts of right and wrong with regards to that of human sexuality. Certainly, the statistics verify that Kent is right, that we have rejected any concept of right and wrong with regards to human sexuality. Amazing. You know, I was watching something that recently. And it was interviewing somebody, and the person was talking about a, a scheme that they had devised back when he was in his college days for getting free food. 
And the interviewer asked us, well, didn't you feel like it was wrong to be stealing? He said, no, my, my need for food was greater than his need to make a profit. And so the, we, what's happening is people are putting their desires ahead and deciding whatever my desires are is what's right. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's right about you. You know, the, the fact I'm stealing from you is totally irrelevant. You don't need to make a profit. I need to eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can rationalize away all of God's truths. Uh, Kent goes on, he says, a continued rejection of evidence of the creation account regarding our own existence. In reality, while science is indeed an aid to understanding our existence, the concepts of origins is not based upon observable knowledge that is ascertained in a scientific laboratory, such as contingent upon contemplative knowledge and is a philosophical problem. Absolute truth in the area of rational and critical thinking is the crucial discipline of study to ascertain various evidence and also must be used in the realm of biblical revelation to deduce absolute truth regarding both our origins and continued existence. When individuals falsely conclude that the source of one's origin is animal life, we should not be surprised when individuals act like animals. Thank you, Kent, for that. Certainly, uh, that is uh, the case that when we begin to think that uh, God didn't create us, then we don't have that absolute standard to go by and absolute truth then goes out the window if there is not a supreme being. Jim in Kansas City says one area where we're seeing the shift most evident is in morality. It uh, has devoted, it has devolved into whatever I think is moral. How many people would have so openly accepted homosexuality and transgender lifestyles 25 years ago? It has taken time, but this is the scary part. It happens so incrementally. You wake up one day and there you are. Uh, certainly, he he alludes to those um, ideas of sexual uh, standards and uh, of morality that are gone. Chris in Atlanta says that uh, our society has shifted away from absolute truth and it's most evident in the areas of modesty and dress. Monty, that certainly is one where it is not like it used to be. Uh, there are no more absolute standards uh, among uh, the world today in the area of modesty. You know, Tina was at a women's group one time, and there was some people talking, and they was discussing the idea of modesty and uh, something about swimsuits come up. And this one woman said, well, just whatever you're comfortable with, that's where the, the standard is. And Tina said, well, there's places in the world where people go swimming, you know, nude beaches we've heard of. She says, just because they're comfortable with that, does, does that make it okay? Well, no, that wouldn't be right. wouldn't be right. But people have so devolved in their minds to think that, well, just whatever you're comfortable with, well, we can get comfortable with anything. Right, uh, right. There's been times when my back was hurting as I was in the shower and I had my back to the shower head and t- kept easing the water up hotter and hotter because it, it felt good. And after a few minutes of it being at one temperature, it doesn't feel particularly hot anymore. Well, then when it come time to get out of that shower, when I turned around and turned the water off, I scalded my front half, but my back half was used to it. <laughs> so we can see that we can a little at a time get used to most anything. Yeah. So what we're comfortable with or what feels good to us is not any type of standard because yep. that changes. Yep. Yeah, Chris goes on. He says, uh, move a uh, move towards a more liberal view on sexuality. For example, it's okay to live together before marriage. Gay marriage is okay if two people really love each other. After all, they're born that way and cannot help it. Uh, so that's the view that our society is getting to. Again, we accepted a long time ago that it's okay to live together before marriage, that premarital sex is okay. And so when you give up ground, when you say that, well, that's not, we're not that's what it says, but that's not what we're going to do, then you better be ready for anything and everything to go. It's a shocking reminder for those of us who are committed to doing what the Bible says 
that when we say, yep, the Bible says to do it this way and I'm going to do it some other way, you better be prepared to go the way of everyone else once you do that. Well, I've heard so many times people say, God wants me to be happy. Well, I don't read that phrase anywhere in the whole Bible. Now, I do believe God would like for me to be happy, but I believe that the principles taught in the Bible tells me he wants me to be happy by being obedient to his will. Yeah. And he's told me what his will is and how to obey it so that I can be happy. But happy isn't just doing what I like. Happy is doing what's best for me, and what's best for me is to obey God. The Bible tells us that his commandments are far good always. Yep. Chris goes on and says, <laughs> I've noticed an alarming increase in foul language among teens and adults in general. Lonnie wasn't that long ago when people would be uh, embarrassed to use some of the language that's so commonplace today. Wouldn't use language uh, perhaps in front of, in the presence of women. You know, there was a shop I worked at one time, and machinists are typically a foul-mouthed people. I, I don't guess any worse than anybody else nowadays, but it anyhow, used to be worse, maybe. It was a big shop, and when a woman would come out of the office to go back to the ship and to get some kind of documents that she had to take care of as far as related to shipping and receiving went, some of the guys could be talking ugly, and one of them said, oh, there's a woman coming, and everybody would clean up their language and stop talking ugly. And then when she went back into the office again, here went the filth again. They was, they was going for it, talking ugly again. But they had a, a sense of decency about them that you don't talk like that in front of a lady. Yeah. Well, those days are over. Yeah, right. It's, it's, she's, it don't, she's joining in. Yes, yeah, she's probably joining in. Yeah. But even if she's not... I mean, you can be sitting at a restaurant with your wife, and the people in the next booth is just using all sorts of foul language, and you sort of want to get up, want to get up and say, hey, guys, clean it up. There's a lady present. Yep. But it's the women in the next booth talking just as bad as the men. Yep. So, And then Chris says uh, the shift from absolute truth is most evident. He says the fourth thing he mentions, seeking pleasure and instant gratification. Whatever feels good. That's what you do, whatever you want to do. And then uh, Bob in Indiana says, in honor of the recent news, I'm going to suggest that the reason – uh, for uh, this or the, the areas where society is most uh, moving in the area of rejecting absolute truth is politics and or politicians. So I think he may be referencing some uh, political activities that are going on in uh, Philadelphia today. Yeah. Uh, so thank you uh, for that comment. Okay, so moral truths, no absolutes is what our society is saying there has to be an absolute. Monty, we demand absolutes in so many areas of our society. Mathematics, 2 plus 2 equals 4. And it always does. It has to. You answer anything other than that in, on your school exam, and it's wrong. Uh, we demand absolutes in laws of science, the law of gravity, for instance. It's, we depend it's an on absolute. that. It's an absolute. Uh, we demand on an uh, absolute truth when we ask questions of our kids. Did you clean your room? It's a yes or a no. It's not a... Either you did it or you didn't. There's no in-between. It's yes or no. It's an absolute. But when we get to religious matters, then those logical uh, thinking, that logical thought just goes out the window. The Bible says very clearly that there is absolute truth. Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Monty, the truth was once delivered to the saints. It's not some kind of vague concept. It's absolute, and it does not change. It was once delivered. It's not different today than it was in the first century. It was once delivered to the saints. Well, he said here it's for the common salvation. That means it's for all of us. I mean, you don't have your salvation, and I have mine. We have a common salvation if we have one. 
Uh, and he says, for the faith, not the faiths or the general principles or ideas or the vague hints or suggestions, but it's a common salvation, one, and it's the faith, and it was once delivered. It's telling us there's absolutes involved there. There's no way around it. Absolutely. Look at Second John 1, verses 9 through 11. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. The doctrine of Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolute. Exclusive. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. John says, if someone comes to you and doesn't bring the truth, the doctrine, don't have anything to do with him. Today, we would all have a group hug and say, oh, you believe that? That's fine. You think that Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead? That's fine. We're all going to the same place. We're just taking a different road to get there. John says, not so. John says, don't have anything to do with him. Don't bid him to your house. Uh, Don't bid him Godspeed. It is amazing how far... The society has come, sadly, how far the religious world has come. And we asked the question earlier today, is it occurring among true Christians? Is it happening among true Christians? Kent says, it is truly sad. However, false views of truth have been both accepted and advocated by members of the Lord's Church. One area is dealing with error regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Another is lax morals in virtually all areas of life. Yet another area which has a false has had a false influence is the area of biblical fellowship. Some Christians are willing to extend fellowship to just about every doctrine, every person, and every practice in modern-day society. Liberal brethren in our area have accused both the congregation where I work and also have accused me of constantly drawing lines of fellowship. That is a false accusation. We do not have... Any desire to draw lines, our goal is to recognize by means of biblical statements, implications, and examples, lines that God, by means of his inspired word, has drawn. And so Kent is saying that error has been embraced in the areas of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Monty, that certainly is the case, that those who claim to be true Christians, members of the Lord's church, are waffling on the clear teachings of regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage, our society has influenced the teaching of many so-called faithful Christians today. And I was talking to a fellow one time, and he had actually been divorced. His wife divorced him because he cheated on her. Well, he still, he theoretically at least repented, supposedly repented, and then remained a member of the church for a while. But then he met another woman and decided he wanted to be remarried. So he changed from the church that he was going to to a church that would accept remarriage for any reason. And his excuse was, well, I can't accept the rules of the elders over there at that church. Well, it wasn't the elders' rules. It's like the email you're just reading that people are accusing that guy of drawing lines in fellowship. He's not the one drawing the lines. God drew the lines. We're just trying to recognize where he drew them at and preach and teach what God said on the subject. Yes, absolutely. They're not my lines. They're God's lines. I'm just... The messenger. And he says <clears throat> lax morals in virtually all areas of life. Mm-hmm. See it among Christians. Yeah. The way they dress, the places they go, you the know, activities they engage in. There's a place I used to work at up in Nashville. And uh, just down the street there was a place that prostitutes tended to uh, drum up business, I guess we'll use the phrase. And so I know what prostitutes, how they dress, because I've seen them on the street corners down there. And there's been places I went to church 
that young women would come in from time to time dressed remarkably like those prostitutes did. They now, I know what the prostitutes was was advertising. What was these young women advertising? And they weren't the prostitutes <clears throat> that were coming in to learn the gospel. These are folks who knew better. Supposed to, they're supposed to know better. Knew better. Uh, and he's, he, we, he, you think about the things that we view for entertainment, that Christians are mm-hmm. lax. There used to be a time <clears throat> when watching that kind of stuff was off limits. It yeah. was wrong. And now Christians today are enjoying watching the things. that is truth absolute or is it not? What's changed? Yeah, you are the truth. Uh, it's amazing. You know, I've had a birthday this month, and a family member sent me a birthday card that was downright vulgar. And I'm thinking, I can't believe they'd send me something like this. So I threw it in the trash. You know, but 20 or 30 years ago, they wouldn't what have sent anything like that. They would have thought it was vulgar too. Yeah. Well, what's changed? It has to be their attitude because what the Bible says is is right and wrong hasn't changed. Absolutely. <clears throat> Jim in Kansas City says yes, but mostly I see Christians as being affected by their desire to be socially accepted. Mm-hmm. Our society is rubbing off on Christians today. Uh, Chris says he has seen <coughs> that this idea of there not being any absolutes has affected Christians. He says especially among modesty, we talked about that, and more Christians engage in social drinking and proudly post their pictures with a drink in hand on, he calls Facebook, fake book, I like that, and other social media outlets. He says, yeah, he's seeing it in the way that Christians, amazingly, are in, engaging and embracing the idea of social drinking, and that is, that's a change. One like that Mm-mm. 10, 15 years ago, Monty. Our society has influenced Christians in their thinking on the area of the consumption of alcohol. Uh, the absolutes maybe aren't so absolute in some people's minds anymore. You know, we talk about the word of God doesn't doesn't change. It's been the same. I've got Bibles that I got when I was a kid in first or second grade. And they read the same words word for word as the Bibles I've got now. They didn't change. And we've got documents and evidence and historical documents and, and biblical evidence from the from the manuscript evidence that you can go back for hundreds and even over a thousand years. And we can look at them, and they're the same as what we've got today. God's word hasn't changed. All right. Kyle's thoughts? Uh, no. It's... Okay. All right. Uh, God's word has not changed. In fact, we're told to preach the same word. In, be instant in season, out of season was the instruction in Timothy, Second Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having engineers, and they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned aside unto fables. Now, Timothy was to preach the word when that's what people thought, and then when <clears throat> they thought something different, when it was their own personal experience, their own personal desires, then he's supposed to change? No. He's supposed to be instant in season and out of season. Uh, Timothy was told, you preach the the truth, and you don't waver on that. And he used the words here, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Well, if truth is relative, how can I rebuke you about anything? If, how can I reprove you about anything? How can I exhort you to change your way, your life, your sinful lifestyle, if truth is relative? Well, there's no right or wrong. There's just what makes you feel good. Well, what's to reprove or rebuke about or exhort about? That, that's It's foolish for Paul to have written this. It's foolish for the Holy Spirit to have inspired Paul to write that. If 
truth is relative and there's not an absolute. And I'm afraid Paul's prophecy has come true, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and shall turn their ears from the truth and be, shall be turned into fables. What was that uh, that we saw, that statistic that, uh, what is it, a large number of people say you got to do what makes you happy? Mm-hmm. You know, and it gets to that, that out. God wants me to be happy thing. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're drawn away by our own lust, our own desire for happiness the way we want it, rather than to find happiness in being obedient to God. But at the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. To be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things that you desire most, was the survey question. Mm-hmm. 86% of adults and 72% of practicing so-called Christians say you do what you desire most. Paul said the time would come when you will, after your own lust, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to claim that there's an absolute truth. No, they're going to listen to what they want to hear because 72% say you should pursue the things you desire most. And so they're going to find teachers that says, whatever it is that you're desiring is the way you ought to and do it. And guess what? They found them. They found them. They found them. They're, they're religious. There's 72% of them yeah. who are claiming to be religious. So they're going someplace where somebody's tickling their ears, telling them what they want to hear. Our uh, society, sadly, those who claim to be Christians, have given themselves over to this idea of r- relativism and no absolute standard. Uh, Paul instructed in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, be ye not therefore unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There is a will, the will, and we can understand it. We need to understand it and do it in our lives. You know, in, in Ephesians, the beginning of that passage, it says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. The people that have blinded themselves to this and are not pursuing the truth, but pursuing what makes them feel good. Paul says, You're asleep. You're just as good as dead. Your, your consciousness is gone from you. What did Jesus say about it, Monty? He said in John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Not thy word is a truth or what you think is truth or it depends on our experiences or our culture. Jesus said thy word is truth. Jesus believed that truth was absolute, that uh, we need to submit to that one truth, that singular truth, it's absolute. It's not uh, It's not shifting. It's not relative. It's absolute. In John 14, verse 26, or I'm sorry, verse 6, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those are exclusive statements, Monty, mm-hmm. absolute statements. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And notice this, this is an absolute. This causes people in our society today to cringe as being some kind of closed-minded bigoted thing but jesus said it it causes a lot of christians today or so-called christians to cringe but this is what jesus said he said no man cometh unto the father but by me absolute not relative but absolute that means that anybody that doesn't believe in jesus is not going to heaven with the father and it's more than just believing in jesus it's well that belief is, is an ab- obedient that, that obe- that's right belief it's that's not just a mental assent thing yeah. jesus said you say there's one god and father you've said well but even the demons believe in tremble the devil believes in god probably and he's seen him so he probably has in some ways a firmer or, or more absolute belief than we did it's not just 
a mental ascent to him, but he's seen him. He knows he's there, but he's still not obedient. He's still not going to heaven. That's right. That's right. Uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John eight thirty two. Jesus said, "The truth, the truth will make you free. Not just what you want, not just a truth, the truth." Again, absolute. So we asked a question earlier. They, uh, let's quickly John eight thirty two. John seventeen seventeen. Kent uh, echoes those verses tonight. Truth is objective, as, as ascertainable, and knowledgeable. Exists independently of our own minds, and applies to all accountable individuals. Uh, same vast passages that uh, Jim in Kansas City reference. He adds in John, First uh, John four verse six and James one eighteen. God has stated His word is truth, and deviation from it will bring judgment. And uh, Chris in Atlanta references Matthew twenty four thirty five, uh, Malachi three verse six, Psalm one eleven seven through eight, and the entire Psalm one nineteen is a beautiful chapter on how we should treasure God and love God's word. Now, how can we avoid? Uh, the trend in our society that many Christians have fallen prey to, Monty, how can we stand firm on the truths of God's word and the fact that there is an absolute standard? First off, we need to be aware that the danger exists. We've got to be aware of the danger. You know, if we're driving down the road and don't know that there's a sharp curve ahead that we can't take that curve at even the posted speed limit, we're going to have to slow down. If we don't know it, we're not going to slow down. We're going to run off the road and have a wreck. But they put signs up there for us so that we know these curves are ahead so that we can slow down and take precautions to be able to stay on the road. So being aware that this danger exists means, okay, I know there's a danger out there that people's going to try to lead me away from from the truth. So now... I can look out for it, and I can caution myself not to be caught up in that. Second Peter 3, verses, uh, verses 4 and 5, Peter warns, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Seventy-two percent of pro, uh, professed Christians are doing just the same, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, it goes on. But uh, the last days, there are going to come time when people are going to just walk after their own lust. Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5, I know this know also that, uh, that in the last days perilous time shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And it goes on, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So be aware of the danger. Realize that our society is pushing us in the idea of this, er- this idea of moral relativism, that there are no absolutes. Be on guard against that. This is a war. We're in a yeah. spiritual war. Be on guard. Don't allow your thoughts to be uh, influenced. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 tells us, don't be influenced by the world. In verse 17, wherefore, come out from among them, God says, and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Mighty, it's time for us to come out of the world. Be separate. Don't allow the world to, to tarnish us. We know it's a danger, so we've got to stay away from the danger. We right. wouldn't go play with rattlesnakes. We wouldn't do that. Uh, we need to study. We need to know God's word. We need to know the absolute standard. If That's we don't right. know the absolute standard, we can't apply ourselves to it. Well, we don't know what to avoid if we don't know what's truth and not. Second Timothy three sixteen. all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Second Timothy 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. We've got to make sure that we know the truth. If we don't know it, we can't live by it, and then we need to be steadfast. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, Monty. 
Don't drift with the society, but be steadfast. That truth needs to be our anchor. Just like a ship is held in place by an anchor, that truth needs to be our anchor. We need to hold on tight to that anchor rope and not let be drug along by a fierce wind of the world. Quickly, our listeners tonight, Kent in Georgia says, by recognition that the New Testament of Christ is our only true standard of authority and by awareness of the fact that all of us will be judged by it at the final coming of Christ, John 12:48. that's how you avoid being influenced by the society that says there are no absolutes. Jim says, by openly discussing the failure of such a concept, I remember as a small child and even through high school, constantly discussing the faults and failures of Catholicism as brethren truly feared its influence. We must fear this concept and recognize the temptation to develop situation ethics. Lonnie, we've heard about it throughout time, uh, that this idea of situation ethics, people fighting against it. Well, we haven't fought hard enough. We need to keep people aware of it, as Jim has said. Thank you for that. And then uh, Chris in Atlanta says, have a Psalm 119 heart. Treasure God's word and measure everything by it. When society says something, we should compare it to God's word. We need to recognize that the world will rarely put morality and God's commands above the lust of the flesh. We must also avoid putting ourselves in a situation where we'll be tempted to compromise. You know, Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lust. He didn't say get as close as you could to him without getting your foot dirty on it. He said run from it. It's, it's like a snake. It'll bite you. You've got to get away from it. And so that's what we've got to do, recognize these these things that are going wrong in society and get as far away from them as we can. Absolutely. It's a dangerous world out there, Monty. We've got to be on guard. Uh, Timothy says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, Proverbs one seventeen. And that's what we see in the world today, folks that are despising uh, wisdom and instruction. Well, there is absolute truth, Monty. It's an absolute that there is absolute truth. Just because we contend that there's an absolute truth doesn't mean you have to agree with us. What you have to agree with is the absolute standard. It doesn't matter whether you agree with me or not. I may be wrong. I very well may be. I have been in the past. But we have to agree with what the truth is, and we'll find that in the Scriptures. Absolutely, and that's what we're encouraging on the virtual Bible studies. Don't agree with us. Agree with the Scriptures. Don't agree with your denominational creed. Agree with the Scriptures. Don't agree with society. Agree with the Scriptures. And on any one issue, Monty, we have to conclude, since there is absolute truth, on any one issue, there's only one correct answer. Only one. We need to study it and find it. That's what we've got to do. That's our obligation. And uh, in First Timothy 3, verse 15... The church is described as the pillar and ground of what? The truth. The truth. Absolute. The church's objective is to be the pillar of that truth. Churches today are promoting the idea that truth is not absolute. They're failing in carrying out their God-given mission. Well, they're compromising the truth in order for membership. They like these big membership roles. They're impressed with that. And so they'll give up on the truth in order to keep people coming. Well... If they're coming to that situation, they're wasting their time because they're not getting the truth. They're not getting the medicine to fix their soul, their sinful situation with. And if you're a part of a church that's doing that, you need to change. You need to change. That's find all find one that will stand for the truth. Because if they're giving in, it's only going to get worse. That's right. You need to find a church that's committed to standing on the absolute truths of God's work. Thank you for being here tonight, Monty. Thank you, Good Jacob. Discussion. I've enjoyed it. I've benefited from it tonight, and I appreciate you being here. Kyle, thanks for helping us get it out tonight behind the board. It's always good to be here. Good to have you here. And thank you for being here. Thanks to all our listeners who commented tonight. And thank you for taking time out of your schedule to listen to the program. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. 
Study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.